Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. So up to the age of 10, my um, family were part of a small free church in Bristol. And my father was um, one of the leaders. And one of the things that we used to do was we'd go into um, a part of Bristol that we wouldn't usually go to. And there were parts of Bristol, it was the 80s, which you wouldn't usually go to. And we'd set up on a high street outside a, a Blockbusters or something like that. And, um, and we'd have a box, a wooden box. We'd have some leaflets. We would have um, an amplifier, a microphone, and a car battery. And um, what used to happen was someone would have to risk their life as they attached the, the amplifier to the car battery to get it all started. And then someone would stand on the stage and they would um, preach the gospel. Um, I, I mean, I was nine or ten. It wasn't me preaching the gospel. Instead, my job was um, to take these leaflets, which were called tracks. I don't know why they were called tracks. And we had to, um, and I had to go out with them, looking all sweet and innocent. And I had to hand them out to people. And so what would happen? People would walk along the high street, and once they figured out what was going on, they kind of hug the other side of the high street, and I'd interweave backwards and forwards, and someone might make a dive for blockbusters or something, and I would try and get into their hands a leaflet, a, a track. Sorry, a track. And um, but my biggest fear was what would actually happen if they wanted to talk to me about it? What would happen if actually they stopped me and said, what is this about? Um, I wouldn't know. I would say, do you want to talk to my dad, maybe? I I, I don't know. I don't know. So the main verse we're going to um, be looking at today is 1 Peter 3.15. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, the sermon today is about how to be a messenger of the gospel. For some of you, this might be the first time that you've come along or you've just been coming a number of weeks and you don't even know what the gospel is. If that's you, you've chosen a good week to come because I'm going to tell you about what the gospel is. Okay? Some of you may kind of know what the gospel is. You've been a Christian for a while um, and you could kind of think, but I don't know how to articulate it. I don't know how to explain it. Well, if that's you, you've chosen a good week to come because I'm going to talk to you about how you can think about that. And finally, maybe you kind of, um, you know what the gospel is, you maybe know how to articulate it, but you don't know um, how to create those opportunities to actually share it. And if that's you, well, you've chosen a good week to come, because we're going to be talking about some practical ideas as well. Um, So with this in mind, um, the structure that I'm going to be looking at is um, know the story, um, um, know your story, and then tell the story. Okay? So... um, This um, verse, if you can just go back to the verse, is really, really good um, for kind of um, as a teacher because, you know, it's it's almost like a medi-raid learning objective. I can kind of say, by the end of this class, each of you needs to have a reason for what the hope that you have. And I can maybe, you can submit it to me. Maybe I could mark it. Maybe actually we could call it out and we could all assess, you know, what your reason is. Um, You'll be pleased to know that I'm not going to do that. But I do want you to just do this. I do want you just to think in your head. I'm just going to give you 10 seconds. What would be the reason that you would give? And if you have no idea, just say to yourself, I've chosen a good week to come. (laughs) Now, maybe you're kind of saying something similar to what was said on the high street in Bristol. Maybe um, you've kind of like merged together some verses that you've kind of heard from John and Romans and others. Something might go like this. um, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and all deserve death. But while we were still sinners, 
God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die on the cross, to take our place. And if we repent of our sins and believe in him, then we will not perish but have eternal life. Amen. Now, we all know that our thoughts and our deeds do not live up to the standards. We know that we can't save ourselves. But God, who we've turned our back on, on, and we continue to do, loves us so, so much that he sent his son, who is fully God, to become fully man, to, um, to suffer on our behalf, so that we may be free to know him. If you don't feel loved, know that you are loved by God, so, so much to the point of death. If you feel trapped by your past, then know that you have been set free because of what Jesus did on the cross. And um, if you are lost and do not know which way to go, then leave your old ways behind and follow him and be with him for eternity. This is not just good news. This is fantastic news. However, strangely, as I reflect on this, I kind of, I've come to mind as 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. It says... For the message of the cross to those who are, um, is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. To me, this is amazing news. I've experienced the life-giving, um, um, life-giving power of the cross. I know this in my life. But to a certain extent, as we maybe go and share this, I can kind of understand that we're almost saying, here's a problem that you don't know you actually already have, and the answer to this is someone dying on a cross. It can seem a little bit weird, maybe foolishness. Um, so what are we supposed to do about this? And um, so I thought maybe look at Jesus' life, as you do, and see what he did about this. So um, um, I'll find where I am. Um, so the ultimate purpose of Jesus' coming was so that he could die on the cross. But actually he spent three years before that um, walking around communicating and sharing the gospel and building relationships up to that point. He he didn't just arrive and die. He actually spread the good news before that. In Luke 4, um, Jesus comes out of the desert and he's preparing um, to start his ministry. And um, he goes to a synagogue and he reads Isaiah 61. He says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to claim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone were on him. He said, Today, um, he began by saying, Today the scriptures were filled in your hearing. And then at the end of the chapter, after he'd healed a few people and the people didn't want him to go, uh, uh, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, um, the good news of the kingdom of God to, the towns also, uh, to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. He was sent to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God first. And, and, and he did that first before he died. And I think that, that what, which, um, the message I want to get to you today is that the message of the good news of the kingdom of God is the context for the cross. That actually, if you understand the kingdom of God, then the cross makes a lot more sense. 
So Jesus showed her how to live in God's kingdom now, in relationship with him, and build a community, a kingdom, where God is king. So what is the kingdom of God? So when, where the kingdom of God is, where God's reign is, then things are different to how they normally are. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God in the Sermon on the Mount. He, he started by saying, Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the suffering, because theirs is the kingdom of God. He hung out with sinners um, and gave them compassion and wisdom and spoke truth into their lives. He healed the sick and the disturbed. He gave purpose and forgiveness. He showed people how to live wholly and fully. He told them um, what to turn away from and what to turn to. He said he'd take our burdens if we just trusted him like a little child. This is not just um, good news. This is fantastic news. Is this not what we want our lives to be like? And all of this is possible. All of this is possible because of what Jesus did on the cross where he so wanted us to be part of his family that he took the chains that bind us and he took them on himself. And he submitted himself to death. But he rose again to life. I'll repeat that. He rose again to life and showed us that sin and death have no power over us. Okay? That he is king, that he is victorious. Now, we can often think, because that is so powerful, that to be messengers of the cross, we need to rush to that message of the cross. We need to be telling people that as soon as possible. But he spent three years building up to that. Okay? And this is the story that he gave us, and this is the gospel. So, moving on from that. So, that is the story. But now I'm going to say, know your story. And what is your story? It was so fantastic to hear from um, the guys at the front here sharing the story. And week on week, hearing those stories. Um, I had an experience of this. Um, Sarah and I, when we first got married, we moved to a little town called Farringdon. Um, it's, um, it, we lived in a flat opposite a church. It was a classic Church of England church. It was like 80% over 80 and below 8. And um, we came in and we kind of forced our way into this like, little community. And I was playing uh, the guitar. We were allowed to play two choruses. And then the choir did the rest. And so um, the choir, thinking, who's this new boy, um, kind of invited me to, sh- um, to their, um, their meeting. And they said, um, we'd like you to share your testimony. Um, it's an hour and a half meeting. And, um, and you share your testimony, and then we have tea and coffee. And I thought, like, oh my goodness, really got to prepare for this. So, um, you know, I prepared everything from my father becoming a Christian just before I was born, all the way through every single step, to like, mo- like months before when I got married to Sarah and the grace that was involved in that. And I sat there, I gave my testimony in all this detail. Um, and, it, and it only lasted an hour and a quarter. And I, so I said to the woman, I'm really, really sorry. I know it was meant to be an hour and a half. She said, no, 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 no. It was fantastic. Actually, um, most of the time, people only talk for 10 minutes. And then we have tea and coffee for the rest of the time. Oh, man. So <laughs> it was, you know, all the, I put them through that. But for me, it was fantastic, okay? Because now I can articulate exactly my story. I can articulate every point where I know that God's been part of my life. And I shared a blog with it a while ago. If you want to talk to me about it, I can bore you for hours, if you would like. Um, And it's so important that we know our story, because I think our story is our reason. I've got this quote up here. It says, um, The stories we tell ourselves about ourselves determine the quality of the selves we imagine we are. 
The stories we tell about others determine the quality of our relationships with them. Stories are so powerful. They form our identity. As we communicate our stories, we are giving our reason for what we think and what we believe. Um, I mean, the Jewish um, calendar and our Christian calendar are littered with times that we repeat the stories to ourselves. You know, Christmas, that God loves us and came to earth. Easter, that he took our sin and sacrificed himself so that we could be free. Pentecost, Pentecost, that we have the Holy Spirit. We remind ourselves of the truth through stories. And um, Jesus used parables to tell stories, to communicate deep um, truths to us. And we study them, and um, we, we, kind of, we, we put ourselves in those places, and they are more real to us because they're in a story form. And I loved what Tim preached last week about if we need to share a difficult truth, to tell a story, and actually that can bring things out. Stories are extremely powerful, and knowing yours means that you know a deep reason within you. If you, want to, if you want to know your reason know who, um, and who you are, then know your story. If you want to communicate your reason and who you are, then tell your story. Now, I'm very aware as I say this that um, it may be the case, and I think it is definitely true for some of, some of us here, that you tell yourself a bad story. You tell yourself a story where you beat yourself up over and over again. Maybe it's a story that's been given to you by a parent, or it's a story that's been given to you by a spouse or a bully or a colleague. Someone that's telling you that you are not valuable, that you are not loved, that you are not worthy, that you do not have a future, you do not have hope, that things are not going your way. Maybe this is you, and it will be some of you that feel this, that you don't, you know, the truth inside of you, the story you tell yourself, is not one that is of God. It is a lie, and it is not one that you want to share. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Go back to the story. Because that is your story as well. If you believe and God is king, then he is saying you are part of my kingdom. And that he is taking you into his family. And he is making you heirs. He is making you sons and daughters of God. And you are part of that story and taking that forward. You may need to put your old story behind. Well, you do. If, that is, if your story is not that, then put that aside. And take on the story that has been given to you through the gospel. Um, so the verse we're focusing on today is always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But I don't know if you find this. I don't know um, if um, you're kind of going around and people don't ask me, you know, what is, your, what is the hope that you have? Um, they don't feel, you know, they don't kind of, you know, seem and go, ah, this is the question I want to ask this guy all the time. And so... Um, we, don't, we shouldn't feel guilty about this, okay? Um, I don't think that the example I gave at the beginning of my talk, talking about you know, shouting at people on the streets, is the right message that we should be going. It's not necessarily the best way to go, because unless someone is ready to hear, um, to hear the answer, then they're not, they're not going to receive it. In 1 Peter, it goes on to say, do this with gentleness and respect. And I don't think we should be kind of like, um, putting those aside in our eagerness to share the gospel. We must remember that it is God that saves and not us. And we just need to be ready to, um, for when the question is asked and be ready with an answer to the question because it is only when they ask that they are probably ready to receive that answer. However, there are things that we can do to encourage people to ask the question and to keep us ready to answer. 
They, they will look different in our front lines. All our front lines are very different. But here are some general kind of things. Firstly, bring the kingdom of God with you. Kingdom living, I'm putting it. The way we deal with these things may be different with different colleagues, but when we put God as king, then we will act differently. Okay? No longer are we fearful, but we can be faithful to compassion and love. Our speech will not be full of gossip or malice, but with wisdom and gentleness. We will be hopeful and have joy that we want to share with others. And we will forgive quickly and want to pray with those in need. I think this is really important that this sermon comes at the end of a series that has been talking about how we, we act in that front line. Because if we act in the way um, where Hannah talked about having the characteristics, the, um, the spirit of gentleness and hope, if we act in a way where we are, um, we are working hard even when no one's watching, if we act in a way where we're changing the culture, where we're um, a minister of um, grace and, if we, and love, and if we act in a way where we are... Um, truth and um, uh, what was it? Justice. Oh, this is good. There we go. Justice. Yes. But if we do those things, then people will say something is different, and they will ask the question. To a certain extent, if we seek the kingdom first and we seek to do the good things, then after that, the questions will come. We don't almost, almost. I mean, when we talk about it, like we do need to think about going and spreading the gospel. But actually, it is a consequence of um, living within the kingdom. Um, and actually, Sim stole my next bit, but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> so, one thing we're all facing at the moment is the bombardment of news and probable coming of coronavirus. Um, and we can feel under attack, can't we, of the spectre of the unknown future. It is so easy to be caught up in the fear. However, in our conversations, and this is something we should think about clearly, in our conversations as we go into our front lines, we can bring the kingdom. We can know that God is king. We can know that he has the future in his hands. And we can know that he is enough. We can be examples of vigilance and washing our hands, and we definitely should be. But also, we can bring a perspective, a different perspective, of the future, which is peaceful and hopeful because we are part of the kingdom of God. Now, um, you, I'm, I was given the verse, and um, when you're preparing for something like this, you think you better read around the verse. And so I started reading around the verse um, that I was given, and it's all in a big passage about suffering. I thought, oh no, is this one of these kind of sermons that I've given you a verse that is brilliant as a little kind of quote, but actually it's completely taken out of context, and, and um, yeah, because it's a nice thing to preach about, and actually that's not what the original writer was trying to say. But as I kind of read it a bit more, and I started to think about it and pray about it, I realized that the way we suffer, and if we are suffering while in the kingdom, is probably the most likely time that someone's going to ask you about it. Because, you see, when we're suffering, we can go one of two ways. We can either be consumed by it, or we can have the hope that we are given. Now, when, when Jesus was going towards the cross, he, um, he was suffering. When the nails were going in, he was suffering. He wasn't dancing around all joyful and happy. He wasn't pretending that he was something else. He was suffering. But what did he do? While he was on the cross, he looked down and he said, please forgive those soldiers because they do not know what they, they are doing. He said to the, to the criminal next to him, he had a conversation, and he said, I will see you in the kingdom of God. 
He was outward-looking and not inward-looking. He was living in the kingdom even though he was suffering. And as we look at the cross, that is for us the biggest message. And that because in that suffering, there is so much hope and glory. And if we can remember as we're suffering, to cling on to God harder, to remember we're in the kingdom of God, to communicate that in complete um, truth and realness, and not fake, but realness, then people will ask questions because there's so much within that. Um, my wife um, was watching, she's not going to let me send this in, but my wife was watching one of those gritty Netflix um, things that I can't handle at all. And this particular one was particularly gritty. It was about two police officers that were dealing with rape. And there was one of the police officers is a Christian. And um, she uh, she's, brings a lot of the things that you'd hope a Christian would bring to it. She um, brought patience and compassion, a hunger for the truth. Uh, and she was very open about her faith. And the other one, because of the horrific nature of what she, they were seeing day to day, um, she was angry she was frustrated. She, um, she turns to alcohol. She would take out her anger on others. And there was one conversation that they were in the car after a particular um, horrific day. And um, she's, uh, the one that was um, angry, that didn't know God, said, um, said to her friend, um, you, um, I don't know how you can, do the, um, can believe in a God with all of this going on around you. And the Christian said, well, sometimes I ask the same question. But what I really don't know is how I could do this job without him. You know, just that, just that truth in that statement, that little story of suffering, yet knowing that she's hanging on to God, says so much about the kingdom of God. So finally, um, kingdom praying. Um, I, this is the part that I struggle with the most. When you're preparing for something, it suddenly opens you up to actually realising how far short you might fall in certain areas on this. And I realise that although I know the gospel, although I know that um, um, my reason, that am I being purposeful and praying for this as I go into my front line? And I think this is so important. That there's, so often there's opportunities that you get there, and there is a bit of a spiritual battle. You kind of, there's something that happens, and you think, and you freeze up. And you don't know what to say. And I think it's so important as we start our day that we kind of say, Lord, use me today. And I pray that you fill with me with the Holy Spirit to be able to take those opportunities that you put before me. I pray that you allow me to bring the kingdom into this situation. Lord, I pray that, you, um, that if there is suffering, if I'm finding things hard, that I hang on to you and I'm clear about that. Because if we are purposeful and we know that we have a job, that we are representatives that we are um, anointed royal priests for, um, to do this, that God has asked us to be sons and daughters, his representative. I mean, if we take that and we pray for it, then it's more likely to happen. It's more likely that we will be able to respond in that moment. And there will be days where maybe we think we could have done a little bit better, but, you know, just dust your shoes off. It is God who saves and not you. And start the next day with um, praying that the Holy Spirit is with you. Um, I'd like the band to come back up, if possible. Um, I, I don't, you know, so people have got different things from what I've said um, to you today. Maybe you are someone who um, has never heard the gospel before. Maybe you're someone who, um, and there will be people that um, haven't heard the gospel here. And I would tell you today that today is the day to choose to be in the kingdom of God. Today is the day to choose to put God as king. If you do that, 
then you will be part of a family, a kingdom. You will be given purpose and forgiveness and life. And um, if, if, you, um, if you feel that God is calling you to make that decision today, then come and pray with me or Sim or any other leadership where we've got a prayer space back there. I really ask you to, um, to make that decision today. Maybe you're someone who has been telling yourself the wrong story. You've been telling you the story that you've been told lies about um, who you are, but actually you know that you are part of the kingdom, that you have accepted Christ, but that isn't the story you're telling yourself. If that's you, if you're carrying around that burden, then I ask you to come and pray with someone and put that burden down at the foot of the cross. Because you have been given a story, a truth, that is that, um, that you can be part of this kingdom. God has invited you. He has died on the cross so that you can do that. And finally, if you are someone who... Um, who, who feels like they need more opportunities, who wants to go out and do that, and you need to resubmit yourself to Christ, then maybe talk to someone and pray with someone and commit yourselves to going out and being um, a messenger of the gospel. It is an exciting thing to do. And Lord, I, I, I just pray that we can be a church that does that. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.